All right, uh, my name is Kaipo Thomas. If you missed the first introduction, great honor to be one of the few pastors here at Waipuna Chapel. We've been dwindling by numbers. We used to have four pre-COVID, and there were three, and now we're down to one. I mean, two. Um, if you catch up with the first time, we are uh, going through a series titled Overflow, and uh, we've been talking about generosity, right? And last week, we talked about the key to living one more better life. Yeah? Is having a heart of generosity. So being in Christ alone, uh, there's blessings that God provides, right? Even those who don't call on the name of the Lord. There's this providential, right, part of God where he initiates relationship, right, by being the, the first. Um, I'm not sure, you know, for all the married couples out here who was the instigator. Hopefully it was the guy. I'm just turning it out there. Hopefully it was the guy, you know. I always tell my, my teenagers, uh, the, the girls, I'm like, bro, you got to put out some hurdles out there, right? You got to make guys have to jump through some hurdles and jump through some hoops. And you got to see if they're, they're in it for the right reasons, right? Um, in a similar way, God is the one who initiates this relationship, right? While we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us, right? There's that, uh, we went from strangers to acquaintances, and the entry-level act that got us into relationship with God is the cross. Pretty good, huh, for putting some skin in the game, right? And so God shows up, and he's like, I'm in. I'm in, man. I want to have a relationship with you. I got good plans for you, man, right? Will you join with me? And so God already does that, but the key that unlocks, right, the next level of blessing in our lives from God is if we can teach ourselves to be generous, right? Like if we have too much in our hands, right, it's almost like you're too full, right, to receive anymore. And if we're good with what God gives to us, right, as we love God, God loves on us, and then we're loving others, that conduit of blessing can continue to flow, and then you get to see other aspects of the Lord. And so we are blessed, amen? Is that good? Right? And... We're not blessed just to be cool, to be popular, to have the, you know, a lot of money, all that fame. Literally, we're blessed to be a, a blessing, right? That's what we talked about last week. Like, the, the reason why God blesses us is that we can be his instruments of blessing into the world. So today, how do we cultivate a heart of generosity? How do we posture ourselves so that we constantly can keep ourselves uh, Looking for opportunities to be a blessing. Because the tendency is what? For us to be selfish. Right? To cling on to stuff. To hold on to stuff. And rightly so. We live in Hawaii. Right? You get, everybody works hard for the stuff that they have. Right? And so to give up stuff that you work hard for, that's, that's a challenge. Right? That's a real challenge. And so how do we cultivate, right? Posture ourselves. Proverbs 29, uh, 22.9 says, Whoever has a generous eye will be blessed for he gives his bread to the poor, meaning that they, that this type of person is, is looking for opportunities. Amen? Right? Aware of opportunities. That they kind of have a savings bank. They're not, they're living with margin in their life and in their finances and in their talents. So when the opportunity shows itself to be generous, they're all over it. Right? They're all over it. Luke 6.38 Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over. Yeah. 
will be put into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And in Acts 20.35, remember that the word of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said it is mobless. You guys like that? Say mobera. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So let's pray, and we'll, we'll jump into uh, our message for this morning. Jesus, we give you praise for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We pray, God, that as we talk about uh, your generous heart, God, um, that is found in the scriptures, that was lived out by you, God, that is taught to us, God, as we, as we open up your scriptures to talk about um, your heart for generosity, God, I pray that it would shape and form our hearts, God, um, to be the hands of feet hands and feet and voice of Jesus, God, in this world. And so uh, be with us this morning, Lord, as we, we talk about this. And, uh, yeah, I pray that you get the glory, honor, and praise, Lord, as the result of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. All right. So one of the things we're not talking about this morning as we talk about generosity is something that has been titled, especially in America or Western um, Christianity, is the prosperity gospel. Not sure if you've heard that before, but... Um, anybody hear about the counterfeits? I've used this example before. The guys who uh, do money laundering, right, and the counterfeit bills. There's so many variations to counterfeit money that you can't study them all. So how you train the people, right, to catch it is they spend more time studying the original, right, the thing that's true. And so for us within Christianity, we want to spend a good amount of time studying the things that are true within the gospel so that when anything else shows itself to be counter, it's easy to identify. And prosperity gospel is one of those more, uh, is one of the things that is so deviant, what is the word, uh, uh, hidden in our world that it's, it sounds so good and God-ish. Like it's the gospel and just a little bit of additive, right? That it really like is from the heart of God and, and people can get deceived by these things easily. So let, let me just open this up a little bit. So the prosperity gospel, right, uses God or godly practices for personal gain. That seems simple for us to identify, right? But it shows itself also in, in a give to get mentality. Like if I give unto God, I'm going to get tenfold. Which is a heart of God, but it's not necessarily. There's a little bit of ish there. What's the ish? That the center point behind that generosity is not about God and his will, but it's about your will and your increase. You guys get that? Real subtle. Easily to be missed. It's a, not a God's will be done mentality. But it's my will be done. That if I am generous because God calls me to be generous, my life will be blessed for my own gain rather than for God's gain and his purpose and his glory. Amen? All right, so let, let's keep on going. Right? It's the if I love Jesus, then Jesus will do this for me. Right? And, and, and it can get crowded because Jesus actually does stuff for us all the time, right? But if we look at the prayers, right, if we look at the blessing, is it a me-centered, right, worship versus a God-centered worship? We see this prosperity gospel. Tim had a couple this morning that, that was good within communal worship. But, but I don't want to. Anyway, 
This prosperity gospel shows itself in, in the things that we sing sometimes. I'm going to throw a worship song on here. For those that have been a part of Christianity for a while, you, this may be one of your favorites. If you're singing this song by yourself in your closet, in your house, it's probably fully appropriate. But, but to sing this within corporate. Anyway, let me just throw it up here. I'm not sure how many of you guys know this song. You know, it, it's, a, it's a goodie, right? It's a goodie. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. You were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me because you died and rose again. So a little bit gospel there, right? Jesus died. But really the center part of that conversation is who? Us. And not even corporate. Like you as an individual. See, if this is your prayer journal, totally appropriate. Right, but as, as a corporate worship song, very different than a song like this. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. You can see that subtle shift? Like this song is Christ-centric. Like, am I in this at all? I'm not, I'm not in this at all, right? There's nothing about this where I get any glory, and yet we get so much blessing because this statement is true, right? We're blessed to be a blessing, amen? We're blessed to bless God. We're blessed to bless others. And in the end, we want God to get all the glory. Here's another one. This is one of my good favorites, right? Bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Oh, worship his holy name. Right? Sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I will worship your holy name. You're rich in love and you're slow to anger. Your name is great and your heart is kind. For all your goodness, I will keep on singing. Ten thousand reasons for my heart. So it's not that we cannot be a part of it. You know, it's not eliminating all I from every worship song. But who is singing about? Right? His love. Right? His patience. His greatness. Right? His heart that is kind. Amen? So, so this morning, can I pick on a song? Eek. <laughs> so the opening song today, right? The kingdom of heart. You're never going to let, never going to let me down. Not a bad, not a bad chorus, right? Not a bad chorus, right? We're still, I'm not trying to figure out you, bro, right? I do this all the time. When, when, if I, if I, sometimes it's just, it's just the lyricist part of it, right? Where it just sounds a little better to have I instead of us. And, but it, it could also fit if we just replaced I or me with us. But there's a, there's a massive shift when we add us in instead of I. You're never going to let, never going to let us down. Subtle shift in words, big difference in meaning. It's no longer I at the center of it, but God, you are looking out for who? Us. As a people. Exactly. Us as a people. Not us as individuals. So if I'm praying for myself, I know that who's going to get blessed? My wife? My daughters? Amen? The people that I am overseeing, right? And partner with in ministry? 
that I understand when something happens in my life, there's this ripple effect that's going to happen with others. It's not just Kaipo on his own island doing his own thing, right? And so this prosperity gospel is so very subtle, right? And it can find itself into some of our worship songs, some of our um, understandings when we read scriptures, right? I was just thinking of the trust in God one, right? It would also fit if it was we and our, you know? I'll just turn out there, Tim, if you want to ad lib a little bit later, you know, just. Okay, so I'm going to step on some more shoes today, okay? Um, God's word is good, amen? And, and we should hit it, hide it in our hearts, amen? Right, it should be the light onto our path, and so we should memorize scripture and allow that to be the thing that governs our lives. One of the verses that I hear all the time is people's theme verse for their life. Jeremiah 29, 11. So, so good, right? And this is how it reads. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Amen? Plans to what? Prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Amen? Anybody in here? Whose verse is this? Come on. Amen? Okay? I'm going to help you out real quick. Right? I'm going to help you out real quick. So the, the author of this verse is Jeremiah, who was a prophet, and he was speaking on God's behalf to the nation of Israel, saying that it's not just individuals who God has plans for, but his entire people. So here's the whole context, right? I mean, this is just part of it, but here's from verse 10 through 14. This is what the Lord says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you, Israel, and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. So, so, so they were um, in a season where they had uh, been overthrown by Babylon, right? Uh, Sirius came in. They were exiles, meaning that they uh, had been removed from their land. And God had used Jeremiah to remind them, like, God still has hope for you. It's going to bring you back to the land that I promised. You know the conflict that is happening currently in that area of the world? It, that Conflict is nothing new, right? Nothing new, right? So Jeremiah 29, uh, for I know the plans that I have for you as a nation. Is that cool? Declares the Lord, plans to prosper you as God's chosen people, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and you will come and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and you will find me. Or and, and seek when you seek me with all your heart, and I will be found by you. That's a little bit of investment right there. You guys get that? Like when the nation starts seeking God, when they start abandoning the foreign gods and seeking after God, God's gonna be found by them. That's that's different though. Why? Because Jesus found us, right? Jesus bankrupt heaven to chase us, but after God initiates that relationship as he puts his cards on the table he wants us to what respond right it's a relationship where God's like I got skin in the game are you going to put some skin in the game as well right God doesn't want it to be one-sided he wants it to be a relationship so he's not forcing he's saying hey, I love you right I sent my son while you are still yet sinners man I I'm 100% in are you going to respond, right? So if we seek, we turn, he's got a plan, right? Um, 
I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I, I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place uh, from which I carried you into exile. Amen? Right, so this prosperity gospel so easily lost within some things, right? Real subtle, real deceptive. It can become an I Christianity really quick where everything you pray is about you and everything that you want is about you and everything that you do is about you, right? When Christ is actually here saying, well, it's not really about you, right? And if we can grab a hold of that miracle and understand that it's not just about us, Great, good, God things can happen. Amen? First <clears throat> Timothy 6, 9 through 11. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith. Right? When it's a, a eye-centered Christianity, right? Our foundation is no longer built on God's word on, on, or on Christ. It's built on us and our own gain. And, and you're going to set yourself up for failure. Right? You can abandon a faith real easy if you believe that if I love God, God's going to love me and increase my territory, right? Or God's going to hook me up, and then that doesn't actually happen because that's not how God's work. You're going to abandon that faith real easy. And in the, in the uh, process, you might actually abandon a God who really loves you, right? Um. And, and the Apostle Paul continues, but as for you, O man, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. Amen? Right? How many of us want to be rich in those things? Amen? Man, be awesome, right? Um, we have an enemy out there, right? And the devil, he cannot stop God from being a good God that cares for us. Amen? Our God is good. He cares for us. And there's nothing the devil can do to stop that. So what he does instead is he plays with the blessing. Can he get us to worship the blessing instead of the blesser? Right? If he can do that subtle shift. He's not even talking about like, you know, demonic worship stuff and, you know, like living a crazy life out there. If he can just get us just one degree off. Where God's in the midst of it and God's blessing us. But rather than us totally thanking God for his provision, it's a little bit of us. Right? I'm the one who kind of, you know, I know God's there, but I got some skills. I know God is there, but I'm the one who's waking up every morning and doing the work. If, if we can just, he can get us just to be a little bit off. Right? And worship the, the result of our efforts rather than honoring him. He's one. And so a couple, couple of distinctions, right? Um, the enemy, right, the devil, he tries to distort, right, the response to God's blessing with pride. And we, you can see, see this through the entirety of the scriptures. 
um, in the last letter of the Bible, right? John, um, uh, one of uh, the apostles, right? One of the disciples of Jesus in, in this uh, vision he gets uh, from the Lord. There's a letter that is written to the church in Laodicea. They were, they were rich, right? And they got to a place where they said, for you are rich, right? And you say, I have prospered and I need nothing. Oh, yeah? You know, it's kind of like they, they had so much that they had security, not in God. There was no desperation. There was no hunger. They were satisfied here in the world, and there was just no needing of God. And, and they actually came with a, a warning, right? And it was like you were lukewarm, like you neither are hot nor cold, and he would have wished they would have been either way. So here's a little Bible trivia. There was a handful of letters written to different churches there. Anybody know the one church that didn't get um, uh, instructed or warned? Yeah, they were the ones who were persecuted. The one church that was persecuted was the only church that got encouraged, right? Because they cried out to God on a daily basis, God, you have to show up. It's kind of a crazy balance, right? Like, is God saying we're supposed to be in constant need all the time? Yeah. Not so much of need of things in the world, but a constant need of God, whether we have a lot or we don't. So uh, here's another one. Uh, so the book of Daniel, great little read. Daniel chapter 4. Uh, Daniel is um, interpreting a, a dream from King Nebuchadnezzar. And so the, the dream was... Uh, Nebuchadnezzar had dreamt this uh, dream of this massive tree whose branches stretched for miles. And, and so many people came from far to find shelter and provision under this grand tree. The interpretation that Daniel gave to King Nebuchadnezzar was that King Nebuchadnezzar was the grand tree. That God put King Nebuchadnezzar there for God's glory, for his benefit. Right? And the, 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 the shift in the dream was that that tree got cut off, right, and forgotten, right? And um, the warning was that King Nebuchadnezzar needed to give God glory for what God had done for him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, he wasn't an Israelite, right? He was a Gentile, right? He never called on the name of God, and yet God had put him there so that God could use him to be an instrument, his instrument in the world. And so the instruction was from God to King Nebuchadnezzar is a dream. Honor me in all that you do. And what does King Nebuchadnezzar do? Twelve months go by, right? And he kind of forgets about the dream. He's walking on his patio in an afternoon. And he's looking out on his grand kingdom. He says, man, I am the man. Literally, he goes in there and says, man. I really have achieved it all. And the whole dream comes into play where he, he loses his mind. He runs out into the wilderness, becomes like the animals. His hair grows long. His fingernails grow long for a time period until he would remember that God is the God of all things. And it's kind of a cool story. Daniel kind of leaves it a little open, but 
King Nebuchadnezzar actually comes to grips with that. And I don't know if he ends up getting saved or not, but there's kind of this reconciliation where he is in the bottom of the pit and saying, wow, I really am a nobody. In the grand scheme of the God world, I'm so very small. And God establishes him all over again. Kind of cool, you know, kind of a cool one. Uh, last week, we talked about uh, the, the camel going through the eye of the needle, right? The, the eye of the needle was the gateway that people passed through to get into the city. So the city gates would close and you'd have this small little opening where the camels would have to be stripped of all of that they had been carrying. And they would have to crawl in like humans could walk in, but the camels would have to like, how hard is that? Right? For a camel to get everything off its back and then to like inches way in. Right? So how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom? Very hard. Why? They're going to have to get rid of all the things that they have. Amen? And so how do we loosen, right, our grip on the things of this world? We got to cultivate into our hearts, right, generosity. Amen? All right, so the second one, right, if pride isn't the thing that fails you, maybe shame actually fails you. That God blesses you so much that you don't want to brag about God. We would call that false humility. Right? So, so Jacob, um, the story of Jacob, uh, Exodus 32, 9 through, uh, 9 through 10, there's kind of a whole section um, where Jacob leaves his house and, and moves away and, and over that period of time, um, as he's faithful and loving God, God like blesses him and he comes back home right and he has like way more than he did when he left right and so uh this is what we read lord you had said to me go back to your country and your relatives and i will make you prosper i am unworthy of all the kindness and the faithfulness you have shown to your servants right um i had a friend i, I think i've used this example before um in college he was uh brilliant just just a not like me. Just, I, I graduated from college, right? I passed all my classes. But I wasn't trying to keep my education scholarship. Like, so I graduated. I, I got 4.0 my, my, my last semester, high school year, public school. First 4.0 ever. And the last, right? <laughs> so I went to college, right? And by the end of that first semester, I knew I wasn't going to keep that. Like, you know, anyway. Uh, my friend was unlike me, right? He was like destined for greatness, right? And after we graduated, he wanted to become an oral surgeon. And so after uh, college, he had to study for his, like a placement test. And he literally studied for like 12 months. On his birthday, we were up there and I was like, okay, you know, let's go out for your birthday. And he's like, no, I got to study. I'm like, bro, you, you can take a night off. You know, he had lost like 25 pounds, like he like literally was like a hermit for 12 months. Anyway, he took the test, right? This guy loves Jesus, disciplined. He took the test. He got his results back. So I called him, like, you know, what was your results? How do you do? He's like, ah, I did pretty good. It's like, shut up. Like, tell me right now how you did. And he goes, I tested in the upper 1% in the country. Right now, he's one of the leading oral surgeons. I think he's based out of Texas, Texas right now. He, like, writes all these, like, journals and stuff, and people are looking at his research, and I'm like, bro, just slap you right now. <laughs> right? And so I, I call him, and I was like, bro, I'm frustrated with you. Not because you're brilliant, but because you're not giving God the glory to his name. Was it your doing? No. 
Was it hard? Yes. Was God a part of all of those nights and seamless days of studying? And he was like, yeah, there's no way I could have done it without the Lord. But he was a little ashamed to boast of God's increase in his life. That's just as selfish, selfish as the pride in a roundabout way, though. Right? If God brings the increase, we shouldn't be the center of that. God should get the glory. If God brings the increase, right, we shouldn't feel any less there. Because in the end, my friend was robbing God the glory that was due his name. Amen? So either way, right, either we get too much or we try not to get enough, right? It's not about us. When we talk about generosity, it's not about you. It's supposed to be all about God. We are a blessed people. Amen? So here we go, right? Ephesians 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, right? Here's some of the blessings of God that we get to enjoy in this life. Anybody enjoy the, the love of God? How many would say that's God's number one attribute in your life? So good, right? The love of God shown in so many different ways, right? His mercy, right? What does his mercy look like? The cross, so good, right? Grace, his presence, his provision, his promises, hope, Amen. The cross. I mean, you can add, just the list can go on and on and on and on. Uh, one of the things um, I always honored my mom during Thanksgiving, and, and, and most meals, but especially Thanksgiving. We, she would open up her door, or my parents would open up their door, and we would host, or they would host family. Amen? And before Thanksgiving meal, we're all like jonesing, you know. We're like, oh, let's go, right? Hungry, and my mom would make us all go around one by one and say what we're thankful for. And I'm like, oh, bro, keep it short. You know? But it's a good practice, you know? A good practice to count the blessings, right? There's, because there's so much blessings out there. Ephesians 3.20 has become a, a real lamp onto my wife and I's feet. It's a prayer that the Apostle Paul prays over the church of Ephesus. And one of the things that stands out there, he says, and now to him who is able to do far more abundantly. That's the trifecta. You guys get that? Like he can do a lot, but then he does far more and abundantly, above and beyond, right? All that we could ask, think, or imagine. Amen? According to the power that works in us. And, and, it, and that verse ends all for the glory of God. But anyway, th this has been really a, 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 a bright spot for my wife and I. Uh, within its area of generosity, when my wife and I got married, um, we started our relationship in, in debt, you know. Um, and we decided um, that, that we were going to commit to being generous to not just people, but to the Lord. That we would take care of God's house primary and, and that would be first, right? So it just was automated 10 percent was what we had decided and we would give that out by the end of that first year we were out of debt you know and god god brought the increase i mean i had my general job that i was doing but my, my the increase kind of came through my wife like whether she was going to have more work that year or less work and god was able to bring some work that wasn't on the calendar you know god's like i got you i got you covered right if you're generous with me generous with others I'm going to take care of you, right? So we put God to the test there, and God did far more abundantly. Because one of the jobs that my wife started to develop in those years 
was um, these corporate gifting events where um, people would pay her, and because we were married, me, to go to these five-star hotels and give away gifts to companies, and they would host us, feed us, fly us, transportation us. Wait, wait, so wait, let me just, we got to stay in five-star hotels for free. And not only free, but they would pay us. So not only did they pay us that brought the increase, but it was more abundant. Why? Because we got to travel. We went to Canada. We went to like, you know, every, I don't think there's a five-star hotel in Hawaii that we haven't stayed in so far. Right? It was more than we could have. I, 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 have, I didn't really stay in hotels ever before I met my wife. You know? Like maybe we would have pool hop, Kanapali. I just turned out there. Right? You know? Where's the Hawaiians? In the pool. Right? Uh, maybe I pool hopped. Right? Maybe not. I'm just saying that. You know? But that was probably the closest I got to staying in hotels when I was younger. But, you know, like it wasn't even a prayer in my life. And God's like, I got something better for you. More than you could ask for. More than you could imagine. Amen? Why? Because we got a God out there who really loves us. Amen? And if we show ourselves to be good stewards of what God has for us, it's almost like God is watching us saying, okay, they're ready for more. Right? Their heart is in the right place. Their mind is in the right place. They're faithful with what I've entrusted to them. I can send them more. Why? It's not going to be wasted. You know? It's going to be used for my glory. Right? And other people's gain. All right? So, uh, 2 Corinthians, a couple more verses. Here we go. Right? 2 Corinthians 9.11. And you will be enriched in every way. Amen? So good. Right? You'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Like that's, that's the whole message right there. Amen? That God wants to bless us, that we can be blessed in every way, so that we can be generous with others. And so, uh, one thought, though, as we're thinking about being generous, right? We want to be intentional, right? God has generally blessed us. Let's be intentional in our generosity. A lot of us, though, are much less intentional with our giving than we are with our consuming. Anybody there? Like, you do research when you're buying stuff, even if it's cheap. Like you do the research, you look at the reserve, it says it's a five-star thing. Any Amazon shoppers, you read the reviews, you look. Like I do those things all the time, right? We're, we're real disciplined sometimes in how we spend our money and what we consume. And sometimes we don't spend that amount of effort into, right, times of generosity, right? So if we have 100% of our income, Right? Maybe we budget out things like, I don't know, for our household, for our food, and whether they're going to shop at Costco or, you know, where I'm going to buy my produce. Anybody there? Produce, I'm going to this store. Odds and ends, I'm going to this store. If i got to buy in bulk, I'm going to, you know, anybody there? Right? We, we, we do the research there, but when we're talking about being generous and giving, we're always like, eh, I don't know. Right? So there, there's three different types of givers that I want to highlight. So the spontaneous giver. This is kind of cool, right? People who have... Um, a buffer, a savings, so when things pop up, they're able to help, right? The good Samaritan, so the, the story, right? Um, different ones go by, and the Samaritan, and the Samaritan's 
uh, in Jesus's time were the half-bloods. So they were part Jewish, but they were intermarried with other ethnicities. And so from the Jewish people, they looked at them like, oh, these guys are rejects. They're not pure bloods. They're hapa, right? And so they were mistreated by the Jewish people. And by the Gentiles, they were mistreated because they were part Jewish. So they were a people in the midst of, right, two great parties that were kind of rejects. And God uses, Jesus uses the a story of a Samaritan who goes by and sees this guy who's been robbed, beaten, and on the side of the road, picks the guy up, takes him to the inn, right, cleans him up, hosts him for the night, and then, because he has a buffer in him, walks up to the innkeeper, says, here's some money down for him to stay a few nights. If there's any more cost that is incurred while he's here, let me know, and I'll come back around and take care of it. Awesome. Spontaneous givers, right? But we, we see spontaneous givers uh, recently in the fires, right? Post of fires of country, town, central. Like, in response to that, there's a lot of spontaneous ones. Nobody had planned for the fire, but post of fire, not only financially, but people were housing other people. Amen? Like, people were taking a loss at rentals in order to house people for free. Shaka. Right? I'm sure many of you could, you know, has different stories, right? People just emptying out their cupboards, driving it to the west side and just, like the, I love the stories of the Molokai guys. Molokai, so very close to the west side. Loading up their boats with what they have. And where does Molokai get their stuff? From Costco. You know, they're like, bro, this is my whole month's saving of toilet paper and I'm taking it to Lahaina. Only to know that they got to go back to Costco to refill their back stock. Boat after boat after boat after boat. They had surplus, and out of their surplus, spontaneously, they gave to those who was in need. Is that good? Right? Some of us are spontaneous, and I love it, right? You're managing your finances. You're not, like, redlining, right? And you're not in debt, yeah? But there's some buffer where, where there's times where you got to show up. Boom, I'm in there, yeah? Number two, there's strategic givers, Yeah? Isaiah 32, 8. But, the, uh, but generous people plan. Everybody say plan. To do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. Um, Pastor Sean shared a story of um, the educational building. So uh, on our Kula campus, we had two buildings there. The second building, um, they needed. Uh, Waipuna, in its early days, the kids met underneath the main sanctuary, um, in kind of like a gutted out dirt area. Like they would make these little pockets and it was kind of ghetto, bro. I probably wouldn't, well, I probably wouldn't have sent mine. My wife definitely wouldn't have sent our girls downstairs. Yeah. Um, and so the, the church was like, we're growing and we need a safe place for our kids and our life groups and, you know, things like that. So, um, so they saved and they're like, we're going to do a building project, right? And, and Eric probably could speak to this more. But anyway, they didn't want to be in debt and slave to the lender, right? So they tried to do their due diligence on doing that. Anyway, um, the economy shifted, uh, cost went skyrocketing, and, and the building kind of set for a little bit. And so the church decided to take out a loan, right? And they were going to try to pay that back in three years. And so they had people pledge um, certain, you know, amount within those three years. One of the individuals who pledged to... Um, uh, a certain amount 
uh, within his three years, didn't calculate that in his three years of pledging, he was actually going to retire after the second. What he ended up doing was after the, the second year, he signed up to work one more year so that he could be a man of his word. He planned it, he prepared for it, and he committed to fulfilling his call to the local body. Amen? And we have so many of those type of individuals here at our church. Like I love every year, like we're never in debt, we're never in the hole, right? As people faithfully give, the stewards of the church faithfully budget every year for what God is, what is on God's heart, right? What does God have for us? So uh, the church plan here, within the last two years here, um, we've spent $50,000 probably in capital improvement funds. It's our relationship with the ranch. We love it. We didn't have to ask anybody for any money. Why? For the last five years, we've been saving. We knew that it was God's heart to church plant. We just didn't know where. We didn't know with who. We didn't know how that was going to be. We knew that that was God's heart for us. And when the time came, right, and God moved here and we showed up and God said, Kaibo, this is going to be the place, right? And I talked to Ken and Mora two months later. We had our first service here. We already had savings in the bank to do it. Why? Because we are strategic. We knew what was on God's heart and we started to save for it. Amen? Like so, so good. So good, right? So. You know, for anybody who's a believer, this is, this is nothing new, right? The principle of the tithe. Uh, Leviticus 27.30, one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain of the field or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. What is holy? Not just sinless, but something that's set apart, something that's different, right? Uh, all the aunties in here who are going to host people, at your home for Thanksgiving, you're going to bring out fine dining and not utensils. Amen? It's the same thing. A fork is a fork, bro, in my mind. But there's no longer, right? It has a new name. Utensils, right? Forks. No, it's like the fine utensils, right? You're going to bring out the good stuff. Why? Because Thanksgiving dinner is kind of holy. It's different than all the rest. And so you're going to bring out the, the silverware. You know, the things that maybe are more expensive but they're also like special because it's a special day, right? Don't start planning right now. Right? Just say, whispering to your husband, hey, we got to bring out the, the, the Christmas stuff. Just pause after church, right? Uh, so, so the one-tenth that was set apart to God is set apart and holy. It's something that is supposed to be for the Lord. And so Malachi 3.10, right, we talked about this last time. Um, they had withheld that from the God, right? They weren't giving their tithe. They weren't taking care of God's house. And so there was, uh, uh, let me just read it, verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this way and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven, pour out such a blessing, right? So much blessing, more blessing that there will be not enough room. Uh, and we're talking about overflow, right? not be room enough to store it all, right? And verse, chapter 1 was the fact that they were robbing God of this blessing, robbing God of the tithe. And, and for some people who just think tithe is Old Testament stuff, 
Jesus, when he's talking to the religious leaders, says, don't forget that. You guys are tithing right now. It's not a bad thing. Don't forget the good stuff, though, right? Don't forget justice and mercy and faith and love, right? So some people think, like, tithing is, like, only Old Testament. New Testament is actually worse. New Testament, Jesus says, outdo one another in showing generosity. Jesus teaches, do you know what you own? Nothing. For your life has been bought with a price. So it's almost like God is saying, you can keep 90% with my favor. Right? Maybe people have a hard time sometimes, you know, parting with a, a percentage to God. In God's eyes, it's all his. And he's saying, if you can put some skin in the game, there's more. Not necessarily financially, right? But in more, maybe God things that you cannot buy on discount on Good Friday. Amen? Like there's some good things that can come from God and only God. That God can make available to us when we're a little bit looser with the stuff that we've worked so hard for. Okay, so here's a tithing challenge. This is nothing new for Waipuna, but there's a little bit of twist. So the challenge is we're so committed on the principles of Scripture that we want to help you strate become strategic givers to God and his kingdom. That if... For the next three months, you, you know, say you sign up today and say, hey, I'm going to sign up for this, this challenge. If you start committing 10%, you choose a number, right? Whatever the percentage is, and you're going to give faithfully to God for three months. If by the end of that three months, you come to us and you say, it's not working. We will give you back all your money. Okay, that is not new. But that's a challenge. I just, we just put that on the table. So we, you get an offering envelope, you say, I'm, I'm going to sign up for this challenge. We'll put your name down there, John Brado, so-and-so, you know, he's signing up for the tithing challenge. You come to us, what is it, November, December, you come to us, end of January says, I tried it, and my life is worse now, and I don't know God at all, and uh, we will give you, and here's the twist, all your money back plus 10%. That's the new part. We've done the tithing challenge before. It's such a principle to us that we want it to be unlocked in your life. That we're willing to give that back to you, 10%. You cannot invest that. You cannot get 10% back gain right now in the stocks, even if you wanted to. Right? We're all going to be blessed. You'll be blessed. Right? Because even at the end, you get 10% back. But I promise you, guarantee you'll get more back from God when you put God first in your finances. Amen? Okay, the last one. So we, we got um, spontaneous. We have strategic. Last one, the sacrificial givers. I, I love this one. So 2 Samuel 24, 24. Um, uh, the third king of Israel, Solomon, um, builds this temple to God, and he wants to worship God and honor God, 
And so he, 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 he makes an offering to God, and it's so grand that it hurts his pocket. That when we're talking about burnt offerings, he ends up sacrificing like something like a thousand cattle. Like it, it really was like, whoa, this is like going to hurt his bank account, right? And it comes to him, it's like, no, like it, uh, somebody comes to him and says, no, I can, I can help you with that. I'll, I'll take some of the load. And he says, no, but I will buy it from you for a price. And I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that costs me nothing. Right? It's not, you, in his mind, you cannot say it's a sacrifice if it didn't actually cost him something like Solomon so rich in wisdom so rich in finances he says even me who's rich would rather be poor in God's eyes because all of it came from God anyway right it, it there's something that it, it costs him something and so it, it may be a stretch for you to be generous right be stretched it's better to be stretched and dependent on God than not stretched and comfortable in your own security that's a dangerous place to be Amen. And it's not an amount, right? So um, back when Jesus was here, the guys who would give their tithe, they would hold their money up and say, look at what I'm giving, look at what I'm giving. But Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and watch the people putting their money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, but a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, just fractions of a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who had contributed to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had. All she had to live on, she has given to God. We're not talking about an amount, amen? We're talking about something that you set apart in your heart that causes you to just get a little uncomfortable. And you just set it. And you just let it be. Like for my wife and I... Um, we have uh, uh, like 10% comes out every single month, right? Two times a month, we just, it just automatically gets sent. And then we look for other opportunities to be generous, right? I, I'm not trying to calculate and God, God, I gave 10%, so you got this increase. No, I, I want to be generous. So we have calculated, set a mark percentage, and we send it. And then we just look for other opportunities to be a blessing, right? We want to be strategic. And spontaneous at the same time, right? And sacrificial at the same time. We want it to stretch a little bit. And so sometimes it doesn't make sense, but we know God calls us to do it, and then we do it. Amen? Generosity is not so much something we do, but it's, it's who we should be as believers. Amen? So, God is a good God. He's already blessing us. But if you want more of it, be a good, faithful steward of what God has for you. Questions? All right. Let's dialogue. If you guys want to chat about some things, let me know. Let me know. Go.
There's, there's more to be gotten, not just in the financial. And the, the only way we get that is if we're partnering with the Lord. So we're willing to put skin in the game to help people. Because sometimes people come to church and they're like, all these guys want is my money. We, we actually don't want our money. We want more than your money. You know, like we want time and energy and effort. And um, I guess the, the tithing challenge is more a posture from our side that we're not trying to hold on and not trying to be stingy with what people give. It, one of the things that we've done at Waipuna is um, make sure you don't miss that Sunday. We give envelopes to people sometimes. We've done this before where we just said, here you go. Like we're so committed on wanting to uh, develop a muscle of generosity that we give people envelopes full of money so that they can give away money that's not even theirs. Hopefully that they can generate a, a, a pattern of giving. So the tithing challenge is us as being, I guess, the shepherds of the flock. To, to try to encourage that type of like muscle of habit of giving. That we're partnered with us or we're partnered with you or we're all partnered together in, in being a generous people. So... So does that answer the question? Yeah, I, I wasn't going out there to say, because sometimes people think it's just free. Like, I don't know if you think it's free. It's that all of them are free. They're like, yeah, don't, don't pass, like, out into the distribution. Like, we, we want to see the miracle of God, like, as the pastoral staff, we want to see the miracles of God unleashed in your life. And so here's the challenge. You give, and you get to see God working. And the hope is that in the end, more people are blessed, and God gets all the glory. And you get to see him in a way you've never seen him before, right? Unless you put God to the test, how is your faith? And I'm not just talking about money, right? When we have trusted in God with our hearts, lives, minds, hopes in a future and then God actually shows up and says I hear your prayers what is the 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 what grows our faith our love right and and God knows that a lot of times our heart and love is attached to finances so as we give that to the Lord right we get to see an aspect of God that good question though good question no could get a little shift in there go Uh, uh, post taxes. What is that? Uh, yes. So my wife and I pay 10% of what I get, not 10% of the whole package. Yeah. You could do either way, though. Up to you. But that's kind of what, like, like, say that whatever I get in a paycheck, we just set apart the 10% for that. Good question, though. Gross or net? I, I never really know which one is which. We just give of what we get. That's a good question, though. Questions? This is a good, good little Q&A. They're not doing this in Kula. I just let you know right now.
Here's one more thing. Money can get so sticky and so emotional. We got to keep it unemotional. Right? You, I mean, we work hard, we invest, and, you know, there's a lot of attachment to the things of this world. Generosity allows us to just detach from the things that are really temporary. Right? Where moth and rust destroy. Like, we don't want to be so clinging to the things that aren't eternal. And when we're not clinging to the things that aren't eternal, you get to see eternity, right? We get to see aspects of God when you're like, God, this is all yours anyway, right? I give in just so you know my heart is postured and open for you to do whatever you want with it. And, and maybe after the three months, you're more broke than you were before. But you see an aspect of God that you never see before, right? Like, I'm not saying that after three months, you're going to have more money. You might, you might not, right? And that's part of prosperity gospel is that if I love Jesus, I'm going to have more friends. I'm going to be more popular and I'm going to be more rich. Not necessarily. You might have less friends. You might get persecuted. You might be homeless. But you might be rich in love, rich in grace, rich in mercy. So part of that three-month challenge, you know, isn't just a financial. It's like... Do you see more of God in your life? You know? So take the challenge. Take the challenge. Anybody in here who's like, you got questions, you ask any faithful attender, like you've been, not attender, but follower of Jesus that is faithful tithers, every single one of them will tell you the same story. There's not, there's not a person in here who gives faithfully to God where these promises are not true. So take the challenge. Yeah? Is offering envelopes? Write your name. Say, I'm going to start the challenge. And we'll, we'll document that. And at the end of three months, we'll give it all back to you. Yeah? But I, I, I just know that, you know, if you put God first in that area, right, there, there's, there's more there. That, that is way more than the financial. There's aspects of God that you're going to see, you know, as, as we put the skin in the game. Okay, we're good? All right, let's pray. Let's pray. Tim, I'm not sure what songs you're singing after this, but uh, <laughs> feel free to ad-lib if you want. One of my professors in college did, did the whole teaching on worship songs, and I, I never could sing songs again, certain ones. But um, anyway, Jesus, we thank you for today. Lord, thank you for your, um, your heart, your generosity, Lord, to us. Um, there's some great principles, God, in your word. Um, that allows us, Lord, to posture our lives in a way where we just, you are our all in all. You are the hope of our lives. There's nothing, God, we want, would, would want more, God, than to be in, in the centerpiece of, of your will and your hope, God, for our lives. And, and not just for us as individuals, but for us as a community. I love that as individuals here, God, choose to put you first in every area of your life. The ramification of that, God, is that we as a community are blessed. And we as an, uh, in our country are blessed, God. And you get all the glory through it all. And so I pray your freedom, God. I pray your promises, God, over each person here. Because I know, um, yeah, there's, I know you want your kingdom come. And your will to be done, God, on earth as it is in heaven. And so we pray, God, your, um, as we partner with you, Lord, and be good stewards of what you've given to us, God, that you would uh, 
see that happen in our lifetime, right? That, that more people of country would call on the name of Jesus God, that more churches would be planted, you know, more uh, uh, people would be saved and people would be discipled in the name of Jesus. And so thank you, God, that we get to partner with you, Lord, in this life, in this ministry. And um, yeah, Lord, for all these things, we honor you. Um, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.